Happy New Year! The calendar has changed again, but the need to push back against the status quo, lukewarm, mindless, and hypersensitive version of Christianity has not been left in the previous year. Welcome back, friends, to Mavericks and Misfits. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of 2023. It is episode 129 of Mavericks and Misfits, and I am grateful that you have tuned in. I am stunned regularly that some of you listen every single week, and I'm glad. I'm glad you're being enriched and helped, and some of you are tuning in for the very first time, and I welcome you. Uh, Mavericks and Misfits, again, it's just a podcast that has the basic, simple approach of just talking about kingdom things from a biblical perspective, but it is not a dry, boring Bible study uh, kind of podcast. It is, is literally just me kind of sharing with you uh, what I hear the Lord saying, giving counsel that is based on God's written word, and also uh, magnifying the essential elements of the Christian life being the authority of the written word of God and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to choose. You do not have to choose between being a Holy Spirit, a Holy Spirit person and a Holy Bible person. Uh, we are able, and it is, I believe, um, a necessity for victorious Christian living to be people that are immersed in both the scriptures and the spirit. And so from time to time and the, and the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, we'll touch on word and spirit stuff. We talk a lot about Christian living, talk a lot about faith, talk a lot about warfare and, um, uh, you know, it's just kind of a hodgepodge of stuff and I don't have any plans for 2023 to be different on the podcast. And I hope that you will keep on listening. Um, if you are new, my name is Jeff Lyle. Um, I've been in vocational pastoral ministry since 1997, and my heartbeat is for God's people. Um, there are great evangelists out there. I'm not one of them. I love the lost, and I do share my faith, but I'm not an evangelist. There are people who are robust, caregiving, uh, pastoral shepherding types, and I thank God for them. They're so necessary in the kingdom. That's not me either. I'm not the, even though I've carried the title pastor since 1997, I'm actually not a pastor. That's not my fivefold gifting, but I serve in that capacity at a local church called the church at Winder. And, um, I thank God for how he wires different people in the kingdom, whether it's in, in fivefold ministry, you're talking about that evangelist, you're talking about that pastor, you're talking about that prophet, that teacher, that apostolic or that apostle. Um, and so I'm, pretty much move in and out of the those last three teacher prophet apostle and uh if you ask me did i just declare myself an apostle i did not i would say that i have apostolic tendencies but there are biblical reasons why um i don't call myself an apostle and if god ever wants to make that clear to me that's fine i will respond but right now i just happen to say i'm not really interested in what my title is in the kingdom i am so interested in abiding in the spirit of the living god discerning what he is doing discerning what he is saying and releasing that into anybody that will listen because my greatest joy my greatest joy in the kingdom is watching you step into the fullness of what God has for you. I love that. You know, I, I live in a constant awareness that the, the earthly clock is ticking and the return of the Son of God is, um, I believe it's going to happen in my lifetime. And so I, I live under the context of this thing is wrapping up and, oh my goodness, most, most people aren't ready. <laughs> So you'll always hear urgency on Mavericks and Misfits. I don't, I'm not casual. I'm not laid back. I'm not chill. 
<laughs> if you want that, man, there are so many good podcasts out there that are laid back, casual and chill, but you'll be disappointed if you're looking for that here. I'm going to talk to you about your life. I'm going to throw some truth arrows your way and, and hopefully get you thinking about you and God. And when I know if I can be successful in getting you thinking more deeply about you and God, then God, the Holy Spirit will actually do all the heavy lifting. And uh, so I'm just I'm just seeking to be a voice in uh, people's lives because uh, I want when Jesus comes back, I want you to be ready. I want you to be happy in him. I want you to be um, not sitting on the sidelines, throwing stones at the church. Let me just throw this in here real quick. You don't need nine spiritual gifts to be a critic of the church. And if that's your primary forte, every, that you're, you're literally the guy or the girl that's always pointing out what's wrong with the church, um, listen, you're just a critic. And that's a terrible way to um, live out what Jesus has invested in you. Jesus is wiser and more discerning than you and was when he was on earth. He saw everything and sees everything everything now that is wrong with the church. And guess what he didn't do? He didn't give up on her. He didn't walk away. He didn't quit. He didn't take his ball and go home. And he definitely doesn't stand around criticizing. Now, do we have room to go grow? Yeah, absolutely. Does the church need to repent? Mm -hmm. Over and over and over again. Is the church actually reflecting in America what God designed the church to reflect? Mostly not. So we can, uh, we can observe those things and not be professional critics because the professional critic walks away and speaks at the church. The person that sees that these things need improvement, help, repentance, re reformation, that person is not a critic because they're actually investing to change the church instead of staying on the sidelines and, and shouting down the church or throwing stones at the church. So if you happen to be one of those people who's gotten in the funk of, um, you know, just kind of being the church critic. Um, I'm just going to lovingly tell you, you need to grow up. You need to repent because Jesus didn't walk away from the church when he saw the flaws. He actually laid down his life so that that currently flawed church would become the spotless bride of Christ. Wow. That felt good. I'm glad I got that off my chest. And I hope that, um, if you're offended on that, you'll just at least consider it. And I hope if you agree with me, you'll just shout amen, wherever you're listening right now. You know, as we wound up last year, um, I, I, I said in the last podcast, you know, what God was talking to me about 2023, 20, talking about faith, talking about trust, talking about where I am with him regarding my propensity to long to obey him more than I long to trust him. And so I'm still processing that. That might be a six month, nine month lifelong thing that he deals with me about. But um, as, as we were winding up the year and I was, I posted a few things on social media and on my personal page, not a whole lot, but, um, but I did watch some of the junk on social media and let me, that's what I want to talk about today. When the spirit of the age infects the climate of the church, when the spirit of the age infects the climate of the church, and I'm seeing that happen. And sadly, it's a slow seepage into the church. It's not like a tsunami that hit the church. But over several years, I'm, I'm probably going to say a, a good decade, there's been this slow seepage of cultural chaos, discord, and discontent that has seeped into the church. It's like a back, backed up septic tank that comes up through your drain. And that's kind of what's been happening in the church. And so what I'm seeing now is the spirit of the age is affecting the climate of the church in such a way that Christians are actually operating 
in the spirit of the age more than they are the spirit of God. Now, I know I just told you not to criticize the church. I'm not criticizing because I'm about to invest in some remedy. I'm about to tell you how we can work at this, okay? Um, if, if I just said, hey, y'all are all infected with the spirit of the age. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Ma- Mavericks and Misfits. You know, that would be the critic, but I'm here to help. I'm here to expose. I'm here to maybe offer some counsel and I'm here to help. Um, and so that's what I want to do on today's episode. So what am I talking about? Well, the, what is going on primarily in the culture? I mean, there's lots going on in the culture, but the narrative, the tone, the climate, the spirit in our culture um, is primarily one of combativeness. It's one of fighting. It's one of debate. It's cancel culture. It is you are a hater if you disagree with me. You hate me if you disagree with me. If you challenge me, you're unsafe. I need to be safe. And so if you challenge me, you're unsafe. And if you don't agree with my views, then I will cancel your sorry tale. And that kind of cultural reality is getting in to the Christian world. Not getting in, it's in. Somebody call Roto-Rooter because the septic tank of the world is backing up through the pipes into the church. And you, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about unsaved folk. I'm not talking about, you know, a bunch of apostates in our churches. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about people that have experienced the saving grace of God that are acting like they haven't. I'm talking about people that Jesus prayed would operate in intentional John 17 unity that are actually operating when, you know, Revelation 18, 19 and 20, um, conflict and discord and disunity. They're operating in the spirit of the age, which is the spirit of antichrist, which is sourced in Satan and the demonic realm. You know, it's not altogether new for Christians to be unaware of what kind of spirit they're operating in. Um, Do you remember the account in the gospels where James and John were of course walking with Jesus and they moved into the Samaritan village and uh the samaritans didn't want to receive jesus do you remember that they didn't want to receive jesus and so james and john were just ticked off and they asked the lord jesus the savior the one who would be the sacrificial lamb they asked him, it's, you can look at it in Luke 9, the end of Luke 9. They said to him, Lord, these filthy, rotten, stinking Samaritans just rejected you. Jesus, we love you. And I tell you how we're going to display our love and our loyalty to you. We're asking permission for us. We've got the faith to call down Sodom and Gomorrah fire from heaven to rain down on the villages of the Samaritans. And Lord, let's kill them all. Let's kill them all. Now, when I say it like that, it sounds like horrific. How would a Christian in the presence of Jesus operate in the spirit of murder? 
But James and John did. And do you remember what Jesus said to them? Depending on what Bible translation you carry, it, it, it's one of those, what we call a textual variant. And I'm not going to get into what a textual variant is, but um, I learned that passage in the King James. And the King James comes from the Textus Receptus. And the Textus Receptus includes some information that modern translations don't in this particular verse. But in Luke 9, Jesus looked at them and, and said to them that, um, uh, I'm rebuking you. James, John, I rebuke you. It's Luke 9, 55. And then he adds this. You, you boys, y'all don't know what, what spirit you're operating in. James, you don't know what spirit you're in right now. John, you don't have a clue what kind of spirit you're operating in right now. And then Jesus tells him, I didn't come to destroy people, but I came to save them. And so John and James, John, by the way, the beloved, the one who Jesus loved, the gentle John who laid his head on Jesus's chest was such a loyal follower of Jesus that he and his brother James said, kill them all. <laughs> Let's just wipe them out. And Jesus made that statement. You don't know what spirit you're of. I'm, I'm seeing in the church today and I see it a lot online. That's why I'm not on social media very much. I post and run, man. I'll, I'll throw something up there and then I'm done. I don't typically read comments on my own post. And if you ever comment and I don't like your comment, listen, I didn't see it. I just don't read them because I don't have enough time to just, you know, spend hours on social media, but there are occasions in a downtime I'll scroll through. And what I saw, especially around Christmas, it was, you know, you know, what a wonderful thing to do around the birth of Jesus, Christians fighting over Christmas trees, like fighting over it, both sides of the aisle operating in their flesh. Like at the time where the whole world stops on our calendar, not the calendar of God, not the calendar of the Jews, but on the American calendar, the Gregorian calendar, we stop and we say, hmm, we're going to honor the birth of Jesus Christ on this day. And instead of finding out what is the best way to do that and what is it? It, you know, what does it mean to do it in America? And typically in America, you're well aware that it's a lot of lights. It's a lot of decorations. It's gift giving. It's Christmas trees. Oh, my goodness. How y'all fought over the Christmas trees to the point where in, in, in an earnest desire, the anti-Christmas tree people were trying to warn the Christmas tree people that the Christmas tree displays are demonic and occultic and pagan. Ho, ho, ho. I mean, good night. You know, have a very Merry Christmas. And then the Christmas tree people are basically telling to the anti-Christmas tree people, go jump off a bridge, stay out of my living room, shut your mouth. I don't care what you think. Keep your super hyper-religious, you know, anti-Christmas stuff to yourself. And, you know, I'm just sitting there picturing the devil in Christmas time, the whole month of December. Saying to maybe, you know, a battalion of his demon armies, hey guys, watch this. Watch how easy it is to get these Christians to dishonor the spirit of Jesus and let's get them fighting over his birth. Isn't this awesome, my demon friends? Yeah, you know, it's a little, you know, caricature there, but 
That's exactly what happens. And so when they're the, the Facebook wars, I call them face hooks. It's like an uppercut, a left hook, a face hook. You're slamming somebody on Facebook. You're canceling them. You're, 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 you're jamming your agitation down the throat of these Christians. And by the way, I don't care if you have a tree or you think it's wrong to have a tree. I don't care. The Bible says nothing about it. If you take the Bible in context, I know the cherry picking of verses that they're used to show the horrific demonization and sinfulness of having a tree in your house. I get that. You're totally using scripture out of context. Totally. And so I don't affirm that, but I do affirm your right and your conviction to not want to have a tree because your conscience won't let you do that. You're not going to hear me telling you change your convictions and put you up a tree with some lights in your den. You're not going to hear me saying that. Nor if I was anti-Christmas tree, would I dare to look at somebody and say, you know, I think that you're wrong, you're sinful, and you're opening yourself up to the demonic realm if you celebrate Christmas in the traditional way. But here we go. You know, this I'm just picking on this because it's fresh on my mind. But that, that's what happened. And I'm not talking about pagans fighting Christians and Christians fighting pagans. I'm talking about Christians fighting Christians. You do not know what spirit you're operating in. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know the degree. You made a crusade out of something that is not the kingdom. Paul would write in Romans 14 and he would say, the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. It's not about what you eat and it's not about what you drink or don't drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So let me ask all you Christmas tree warriors on both sides of the aisle. Did you experience the joy of Jesus when you were engaging other Christians about that? Was the peace of Jesus fostered and communicated to everybody that was reading your timeline? And did you go to bed at night feeling that Jesus was saying, that was righteous. That was just like me. That was my heart. Thank you for doing that. Well, if you're intellectually honest, you would say, no, actually, I was just fighting. And that is what happens when the spirit of the age infects the climate of the church. That's what happens. And guys, um, there's too much of that going on. People fighting over Bible translations. People fighting over worship styles of music. People fighting over whether you should be immersed or sprinkled. Immersed only once or are you allowed to be immersed multiple times? And what the enemy says is let's take these things that touch the kingdom. Let's put them in the center of the way these Christians think about the kingdom. Let's make sure they each walk in the flesh enough. Let's provoke their flesh so they fight over these things. And demons, grab you some popcorn and a Pepsi because we're going to be entertained by watching the Christians breach their Savior's call to unity and oneness. And let's get them fighting over Christian stuff. People don't think about that, and that's why they don't know what spirit they're operating in. I challenge Mavericks and Misfits listeners, uh, I challenge you to become a student of Romans 14 and 15. On my last night of the semester at Caneo Ministry Training Center, um, if you don't know about Caneo Ministry Training Center, 
I serve as their chief operations officer, but I'm also the fourth year professor. And so go to, by the way, go to Kineo, K-I-N-E-O, K-I-N-E-O, KineoMTC.com. Go to KineoMTC.com and check it out, man. You can become a student and you can get a degree and you can, if even if you don't want a degree, you can get a diploma or audit the classes. But w- w- like we're discipling people in the faith because churches don't know how to do that anymore. So we come alongside of local churches where pastors don't have the time, they don't have the bandwidth, and we help pastors disciple people in the faith. But on my last night of the semester, I taught my year four class from Romans 14 for two hours. And I taught on some of these very things I'm talking about today. It's like, good night alive. What are we doing fighting with each other over stuff that Jesus did not make central in the kingdom? And we're ignoring the things that Jesus did make central in the kingdom. So every time you're fighting over a Bible translation or you're fighting over a mode of baptism or you're fighting over whether or not a Christian can have a glass of wine or you're fighting over, you know, whether you ought to watch TV or not, or you're fighting over, and they're in Romans 14, they're fighting over whether they should eat meat that might have been sacrificed to a pagan idol. And they're fighting over it. And, um, It's an amnesia situation. People forget who they are and don't know what spirit they're operating in. And so when I'm thinking about this today, I'm I'm being confrontational with you and I'm calling you to do something that I am increasingly doing. And I want you to hear me out on it. What am I talking about? I've opted out. I have opted out. I'm opting out of the arguments. I'm opting out of the fights. I'm opting out of cancel culture. You, you can patently uh, espouse things that I completely disagree with. I'm not canceling you. You can fail. I'm not canceling you. You, you can hurt me. I will not cancel you. Because you and others around you and I we all collectively have a greater identity and value than that which is summed up by our greatest failure, sin, flaw, personality quirk, irritable characteristic. We are more than um, these negative attributes that sometimes pop out of our flesh and come off of our lives. So I've opted out. I'm not going to fight you. You know, I mean, could you imagine, let's just, let's just travel in our sanctified imaginations over to the Middle East and let's just say ISIS moves into a village and the word's out that they're going to, they're going to kill all the Christians and the Christians are fleeing the villages. Can you imagine two Christians fleeing villages and as they're running away from the devil's folk, ISIS, radical Islam, as they're running away from them, running for their lives, can you imagine them just stopping and pausing and catching their breath and saying, my goodness, I think we're in safe territory, but let me ask you a question. Do you immerse or do you sprinkle? Well, we, we sprinkle. Ooh, I cannot run with you anymore. You go that way. I go this way. It's kind of a, it's kind of an exaggerated illustration, but 
Can you imagine those, those two Christians fleeing that village and, you know, ISIS is 200 yards behind them. And as they're running, do you drink wine or do you not drink wine? I drink wine. Well, stop running with me. Go away. And, and then again, like the, they're, they're leaving a different village and it's, it's two women. It's December 29th. ISIS has invaded the village and those two women are running for their lives because they're both being persecuted because they're Jesus lovers. And then they, as they're running, they say, did you have a Christmas tree five days ago or not have a Christmas tree five days ago? Can you imagine that kind of foolishness? Well, of course you can't imagine it. You can't imagine it as being valid. Because when you are focused on what is important in the kingdom, you don't let those lesser things separate you from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Like people have forgotten there's a war against the church and the war is sourced in the demonic realm in the strategy of Satan to steal, kill, and destroy. And what he wants to do is he wants to divide because a divided church brings the head of that church, Jesus Christ, no glory. So when we're fighting with each other over stuff that's, I'm just going to be, I'm going to speak plainly. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid to fight over stuff like this. I'm not saying don't have your convictions. No, I'm saying develop your convictions. Romans 14 will tell you, be, be confident in your own mind about what you believe. But if it's a secondary issue, if it's a non-central biblical issue, and you're wanting to raid, rain down John and James fire on those on the opposite side of the aisle, you don't know what spirit you're operating in. And you need to repent. You need to repent. Like, I'm, I'm just going to be bold here. If you were fighting with people, establishing and protecting your position, no matter what your motive was, not judging your motives, I'm addressing the actions. If you were publicly sparring with people over Christmas trees, you need to repent. Because what you did was cause intentional and public separation over a secondary issue in the kingdom, all the while violating the principal kingdom uh, uh, components of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You violated what is clear and sacrificed it on the altar of, the, of what isn't clear, and you did it publicly, and you did it on Facebook, and you did it on Twitter, and you did it in your conversations, and it caused a, a ripple in the church, and so now the spirit of the age has infected the climate of your church. Repent. Just do it. It's not a threat. It's like, I, if I'm you, I would repent of that. Tell the Lord you're sorry and tell the Lord to show you how to operate in your convictions in a way that is not divisive. Now, I'm not some theological liberal. I'm not telling you that we don't give pushback when people are, um, you know, misrepresenting core doctrines of the Bible. Like you mess with the deity of Jesus. I'm going to fight you. <laughs> if, if I see people like I'll just give you a, for instance, since I'm already offending half of you, when Pastor Raphael Warnock, who is a senator of Georgia, tells everybody publicly that he is a proud pro-abortion pastor, I'm going to say that's not a secondary issue. That's murder. And this guy says that he represents Jesus. I'm going to publicly call him out. You can be a senator and have that position, but you can't be a Christian and have the position that you want to advocate for infanticide. And so there are issues that are not secondary that we fight over, core theological issues. 
core moral issues, biblical sexuality, the fact that there are two genders always have been, always will be, no matter what the modern philosophy says. I will push back on that and I'll do it in the right spirit. I'm not going to like, you know, just come in there just blazing in my flesh to destroy you. But I will say that, hey, look, if you're saying things that are fundamentally untrue, there is a time for the Christian to give pushback, but you got to do it in the spirit of Jesus. But on these secondary issues where we are throwing Facebook grenades at each other or we're creating entire denominations um, or we're separating and questioning their Christianity because of the way, the mode of baptism that they choose, you don't know what spirit you're of. And so the best thing to do when those things hit is to repent. Like if you haven't repented of anything in a long time, you're not listening to the Lord. <laughs> if when was the last time you were just heartbroken and repented before God, if it's been a long time, you, you you're not hearing him because he's not out condemning us, but he is shepherding us. And when he shepherds us, he's going to point out things in our, our spirit, our mouth, our heart, our mind, our body. He's going to say, that's wrong. Come into agreement with me. Confess it. That's what confession means. It literally means to come into agreement with God on something. And, and, and let me, when you forsake that, I will remove it. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless that space that you just laid down that thing. So what are we going to do? Well, it's a new year and I'm going to wind up the podcast right here, but it's a new year. And, um, you need to think about what spirit you're operating in. Like not just because I'm podcasting it, but because it's right. You need to think about what is the spirit that you're interacting with people in. And can Jesus say amen to everything you post? I took down something yesterday. I posted something. It was actually just humorous. Um, and when I woke up yesterday morning, I was like, I actually don't think that's right. And I asked the Lord to forgive me. I mean, it wasn't vile. There was nothing morally offensive in it. It just didn't sit right in my spirit. It didn't build unity. And so I took it down off of my Facebook page. And there are times where I just have to look to the Lord and say, Lord, sorry, forgive me. I repent. And the Lord says, good. Thank you for listening to me, Jeff. It shows that you're serious about your walk with me. And you just pressed in a little closer. And I do forgive you. And we won't talk about it again. So let's keep going. So isn't that awesome? So if you're afraid to repent because it means you have to admit you're wrong, just slay that pride, my friend. Woo. Pull out the blade of faith and cut the throat of your pride and let it bleed out on the altar of righteousness. Hallelujah. All right. That's all I've got for today. Let me remind you, if you're interested, especially if you're listening to the podcast uh, as a new listener, um, most of the material that I put out uh, from several different places can all be accessed on the Transforming Truth app. Um, if you use apps on your mobile device, um, on your you know laptop or your your, your MacBook or whatever, um, download the Transforming Truth app. And on the Transforming Truth app, it's free. I'm not trying to make any money. Um, you're going to find all of these podcast episodes. You're also going to be able to access um, uh, more fuller content, uh, the stuff that I do at the Church at Winder, sermons. Also do some videos called Truth Shots, and those are on YouTube. You can access those on the Transforming Truth app, or you can just go directly to YouTube and look up Transforming Truth. And um, my, like I said earlier, my desire is to feed you so that you step into and move deep, more deeply into all that God has for you. 
And I do that primarily by speaking into your life. And so, um, I don't know how many people follow. I don't, I'm not into that. I'm not into, you know, you know, being able to brag about how many people follow or subscribe or listen. I literally don't know. Um, I know some of the people that serve in transforming truth and help me with Mavericks misfits. They know what's up and that's fine. They get paid to do that. But what I do is I'm just saying, man, if, if you want help, I think I've learned some things that can help you. And so you can go to transformingtruth.org. Um, if you want to hear deeply my life story about moving from, um, abandonment as a, as a young person and into the fullness of God through salvation and radical deliverance, and then into the things of the Holy spirit and, uh, some of the, the wars that I've been through that I've learned some things that's in my book. It's called, um, what is it called? <laughs> it's called figuring it out as I go. And you can get a copy of figuring it out as I go at transformingtruth.org, or you can just go to amazon.com and let Amazon prime bring it to your doorstep in two days. Um, but again, uh, we, we just want to keep pouring into people and I'm grateful for all of you that listen. I hope you've been challenged today. Like if you didn't get challenged, you didn't hear me correctly. And guys, don't let the spirit of the age infect the climate of the church. Just stop it. Be a conduit of relational unity and peace. I'm not telling you to forfeit your convictions. I'm telling you to mature in the way that you handle your convictions you're allowed to have your convictions about these secondary issues uh, that the Bible doesn't specifically address. You are allowed and even called by God to formulate your own convictions about things as you listen to the Holy Spirit. He reserves the right to lead you in one direction. He reserves the right to lead another in a different direction. He absolutely does. In matters that are not specified in scripture, they become matters of conscience. They fall into the category of Christian liberty. The Holy Spirit is free to lead in any way that he wants to lead people in these non-addressed issues from scripture. And here's something that I'll leave you with, and then I really am done. He reserves the right to bless those that you completely disagree with. Hello. Chew on that one for a while, and we'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.